Welcome to Permission to Kick Ass, a podcast about leaving self-doubt in the dust, punching fear in the face, and taking bold action toward your biggest dreams. I'm Angie Coley, and let's get to it. I am here with my friend, Kim Krause-Schwalm. And Kim has been very influential on me as a copywriter, as a marketer, as an entrepreneur. I am so thrilled to have you here today. Welcome, Kim. Hey, Angie. It's great to be here. I'm so excited. We were uh, getting off on some tangents and laughing a little bit before we started recording. So (laughs) I'm feeling extra giggly now. So I loved your idea for what to talk about, though, because I think this is a common problem, especially when starting out, especially in a service-based business, when the relationship with the client is so important. And that's communicating with people and holding boundaries, because it's really, really easy when you're first getting started to just whatever they want, as long as they pay me. (laughs) Yep. And that, and and yeah, and that can be the worst possible thing to do as we will, we'll get into. Mm -hmm. I know there was once where I took a project for a sales letter and I was so, it was the biggest project I'd had today. I'd been working as a copywriter for probably three or four years, like piecemeal assignments here and there, a couple hundred bucks a pop, not, not doing very well. So I finally got my first assignment to write a sales letter with all the research that that entails. And I let him add on reviewing some email sequences and providing critiques. I think I wound up throwing in like six press releases and some other stuff. And I agreed to do it all in a week. Oh my goodness. For 2,500 bucks. I did not sleep very much for a week. I bent over backwards to do that. And it was probably one of the best learning experiences of my life because I was like, never again. <laughs> so where did that lead you with that client? Did it, Because a lot of times people think, well, you know, I'm starting out, I'll give them a good price and then they'll give me a whole bunch of more work and I can charge more. Did that actually happen or? Nope. We nope. never actually worked together again. Yeah. So what happens is when you don't show that you value yourself Others won't value you. And, and it's just, you know, this is part of what we want to talk about today is, you know, how do you stand up for yourself, especially when you feel like, you know, who am I? Like, I'm just starting out and I don't have a track record and I'm not like a big A-list copywriter, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, people like myself, when I was starting out in the trenches, you know, I got pushed around. I had people intimidate me. I even had people sexually harass me. I made oh. sure I, I stood up. I said something and you know what, whenever I set boundaries, whenever I stood up for myself, the client respected me more. Um, the two of the two of them that I just mentioned, I won't say for what, um, are still like longtime colleagues, if not people who pay me lots of money and royalties every year. So, you know, 20 years later. So it was actually benefited me early on to hold the line, stand up for myself, demand what I was worth, demand not to be treated in a way that I didn't find acceptable. And, and it's really important to be able to do that. And I was, I was just starting out. I mean, I, you know, I had established myself at Phillips Publishing, but not as a copywriter. So mm-hmm. I was still looking to get that, you know, it was early wins on promos. And, um, and then we were also talking about, Angie, kind of the opposite problem. People who are successful or maybe think they're more successful than they are. And, you know, their opinion of themselves might be higher than the actual reality. Um, but then they act like complete a-holes and mm-hmm. they think they can push people around. They think they can go through other people's boundaries and um, you don't want to be, so you don't want to go too far with this, right? It's knowing where do you, what's reasonable. 
you know, how do you stand up for yourself in a, an appropriate way? And if, and if anything, as you get more, I guess, power or, you know, negotiating power, if anything, you should be more conscious of that and not throw it around. If anything, be, try to be humble, mm-hmm. you know, and because you're not going to, you're going to really turn people off. And I mean, I know of some very well-known names and I will not name them. <laughs> have totally crossed the line boundary wise with clients and the way they've acted because they thought they could mm-hmm. and it's not appropriate. So we all just, especially as women, we all need to learn to like stand up to that. Exactly. And it like, yeah, I've, I've made it a point to tell one of my best friends, like, I love having you in my life, especially since we share a profession and you know what I do for a living, because I never want to get to a point in my career where I'm too big for my britches, as we would say in the South, mm-hmm. where I'm walking around making ego-driven decisions and being all full of my self-importance and forgetting that I am a tiny speck in the universe that <laughs> like, my impact on the world is as much as I hate to admit it is probably going to be fairly small in the scheme of things over time. So like do what good I can in the corner that I've got and stay as, as grounded and humble as I can. I love that message. Well, well, I love what you just said. And you know, you're probably selling yourself a little short because I think you do influence a lot of people and, um, and hopefully I have too. And, you know, but it's, yeah, we're not, none of us can change the world or, or save every, you know, we, we have to figure out what is our, our small circle of influence and where we can have the greatest impact. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think we're just talking more about ego and a lot of time, a lot of times it's related to insecurity and people not feeling comfortable with who they are. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like I said, you can go the latter route where you're already a so-called success person, successful person, and you can be an a-hole. Um, but also the other end of the spectrum is like, well, maybe you're looking at yourself and, like, you know, we do talk down to ourselves. Like, we don't believe in ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like, I believe in you, Angie, maybe more than you believe in you. You know what I mean? Like, I know, actually, you're a very confident person. But there's oh, a no. lot of people I deal with who, you know, they're like, well, who am I? And I'm never going to be a good copywriter. And these are people like, they've written multiple controls. And I'm like, whoa. Mm-hmm. I was just talking with a friend of mine yesterday who I was like, let me set you straight. Yes. <laughs> you know, hello, hello. You know, and I had to kind of go through the little, you know, pep talk. And this is what good friends do to each for each other. You exactly. need to like, do that for yourself. Like we, we talk to ourselves sometimes like 10 times worse than we'd ever dream of talking to maybe even our worst enemy. We're mean to ourselves. I know. And that's exactly why I started this podcast because there's a lot of people out there that I've met that, you know, they hear some of my crazy stories, my antics, they see me speak on stage or something like that. And they think, that I am this fearless person. And I'm like, oh, honey, if you heard the anxiety spiral that happened just to talk myself into getting on stage, you would be like, so I did a presentation to a women's group a while back about that exact same thing where I literally told them how, in my mind, the first time I wrote a letter advertising my own business as a copywriter, I logically connected all the steps between Angie writes a letter and sends it to the world ends in nuclear winter. And I had... (laughs) A sequence of events that was like, clearly I can't advertise my business because I will kill us all in in life as we know it on earth. So like, I know what it feels like to sit there and spiral and dramatize and and be paralyzed. Mm -hmm. And that's why I like talking about it so openly and like, you got to get out of your head. I think that's really the problem is like when you get in your head and the world becomes so small that like everything, every step you make is a potential disaster in the making that's going to impact all of humanity. And you're not talking to wonderful people like you that can give you that balance. That's where it gets into the danger zone. 
Well, I, and I think, I think a big part of it is, you know, we all have this, you know, where do these messages come from that we're mm-hmm. carrying around that are self-limiting and um, that, that keep us from standing up for ourselves or setting those boundaries. And, you know, it's like, what's driving that inner belief system. And a lot of it obviously is rooted in our childhood, mm-hmm. you know, reframe, maybe whatever's happened to you in the past, go back and think, you know, they, just because they said it doesn't mean it's true. And where were they coming from? You know, mm-hmm. and a lot of times it it's literally has nothing to do with you. Well, I I love that for two big reasons. One, exactly what you just said, that it has nothing to do with you. Nine times out of 10, it really is about the day they're having, the way they maybe they misinterpreted something in the email, they're stressed out, everything's gone wrong. I was telling you earlier when we were getting ready to start recording that I recorded another episode earlier today where the internet must have dropped out like 10 times. (laughs) And I was so mad. And it like, I, I had to remind myself, like, I can't get snappy with someone else. And then the other part of that was that, I mean, I, I think that that's kind of at the core when people talk about this is business, it's not personal, that you just have to assume positive intent that they meant to say something in a, they meant it in a different way than it came across. It doesn't have anything to do with me. And let's reach out and see if maybe I'm misinterpreting things, that's like my favorite phrase when someone has stepped on my toes. Maybe I'm misinterpreting things, but that last message that I got from you, I was kind of thinking this, is that accurate? And that usually is enough to diffuse the situation where they're like, oh, no, 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 that's not what I meant at all. (laughs) Yep, you know, and that's actually a good tactic because a lot of times the problem with email is sometimes things do come across like not the way somebody, you know, meant, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, we've all had that experience of firing off an email and somebody takes it completely the wrong way. And, but then it also gives them a chance to sort of save face. And they're like, yeah, I've calmed down now. Maybe I shouldn't have said that, but, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, all too often people just, um, we don't always call people out and, um, but you know, it's, it's really important that you do and that you, that you, um, set the record straight. I mean, I once had, like I said, I had a client once who said something really inappropriate to me. Um, We were talking about um, uh, somebody who had a a unique nutritional ingredient um, that he was uh, making available. I had met with this person in person. And then I was talking to my client because this other person was going to meet with him next. And then the client said something like, yeah, he's pretty handsome guy. And I said something like, oh, well, he's not my type. And then the client said, well, maybe I'm your type. And I'm like, and I just, I shut it down right then and there, you know, and I just said, you know, when you say things like that, it makes me uncomfortable. I, I want you to stop. And I actually used that line later with another client in person about another thing. And it just completely stopped it. They respected me more. It never happened again. I went on to work with them for years and years after that, you know, I so that- I learned that line in a sexual harassment, like corporate class, like a blue cross or not. No, it was at a, uh, at Phillips publishing. And it's like this line, they tell you, you know, it's called putting them on notice. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you're in a workplace situation and many times things go on and on. And then by that point, women feel too guilty. It's like, well, I've never said anything all those other times. So why now? You know? So, I mean, you still can obviously, um, but the sooner you just put them on notice Mm -hmm. and you just have that one statement when you, when you do blank or say blank, it makes me uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I want you to stop. It's called putting them on notice. I think that's a great tactic too. And it, it is clear and direct without being accusatory or mean. It's like, Hey, shithead, stop hitting on me. I'm not about that. You know, like which, which would set somebody on the defensive and then you're already in that negative spiral. Whereas this one is like, here's a behavior, right? 
when you say this, that behavior makes yeah. me feel a certain way. I'd right. like that to stop. And then you're totally calm, not accusatory. I don't right. know if you're anything like me. Even even thinking about saying something like that will sometimes make me teary. So I have to like. Sometimes you just need breath. the script because I'm so glad that little script that they taught us in that class, you know, it just stayed in my mind. And here I was two years later needing to use it. And it just it just came right out. And it was just having that, that little script, and those words. And you're right. It's very neutral. It's not attacking. Mm-hmm. Um, but it sounds powerful. You know, it makes you feel powerful. You can say, you can like, you can actually say something that's mm-hmm. going to be effective. And, and believe me, it just, it, it never happened again. It lets them know where you stand. It, assu- it assumes a positive in- intent and it gives them an effort, a, a way to save face and bow out and still honor that relationship. And I love it for that reason. I think the first time I saw someone use a script like that in front of me, my first reaction was, you can say that? Like you can tell in a professional environment, you can tell somebody that pays you money. Like, I'd really like you to stop doing that. And it was an eye opener just to see, it's kind of like that Marianne Williamson quote, like seeing someone else shine their light, give you permission to shine yours. So this is me and Kim today, giving you permission. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Use it. And stand up for yourself and say, Hey, I don't like this. Or, Hey, I'd like to do this better. Or, you know, and still be really kick-ass person that provides a wonderful service or product to your clients. And love it at the end of the day. Oh, this is so good. So the, and then, you know, where does this go? Because obviously, you know, these are some unique situations we were just talking about, but just like every day, like um, putting, you know, putting out a proposal to a potential client client or um, getting feedback on the copy or, you know, I guess what happens more often is, oh, can you add this and this or can you do this? Or going back 16 times in rounds or whatever, you know, when you get in these things that you're like, this is not what I signed up for, right? Mm. Or how do I, you know, can I really ask for that much money? You know, that, that <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you nine times out of 10, and this happens to guys too, but definitely more often with women is, you know, you'll be like, I mean, this even still happens to me sometimes. I mean, not that much, but it's like, you'll be like, well, should I go this number or that number and then and then sometimes you'll just like oh fine I'll just go with the big number right the bigger number and then they're like say okay like right away and you're like damn I could ask for even more you know <laughs> so, I had a, I had a retainer client recently that I named like what felt like an outrageous number for me in in my mind and I hadn't even had a chance to throw it out in the discussion and he made an offer and it, we were doing a zoom call so he could see my face and I like I'm notorious for not being able to control my face I must have like did a like a micro expression kim kim is watching me on our zoom call but you guys aren't going to be able to see this like i just moved my eyebrows a little bit yeah yeah very expressive eyebrows he immediately countered himself and raised it by like another five figures and i was like i love it that sounds about right you gotta put that look we gotta you gotta put that look like you know in some kind of pdf or something we all can like copy it and i'll I'll give my little phrases my little power phrases Mm -hmm. Um, we'll practice in the mirror making the eyebrows yeah and we got to get you get that right look i mean we don't yeah now with zoom you can do that yeah Mm -hmm. let's do a zoom call and then you give them that look Um, i've I've had to turn off my video on certain zoom calls too because my face always gives me away when i'm frustrated with something and i'm like i want to give people like like we said that benefit of the doubt i don't want to let my first reaction like have them be like, oh no, Angie's pissed off. So usually like if I feel myself getting some kind of way, I'm like, no, we're gonna take it, we're gonna step back from this, we're gonna give it a breath, we're gonna assume that positive intent, and we're gonna find a way to communicate this when we're calm. Cause right. Well, 
it's definitely more, much more difficult. I mean, this is like, this is like master level, you know, to be able to do it like via Zoom, mm-hmm. where you can see each other. Um, because I actually, most time I advise people like, you know, if you're on the phone, you know, with the client and they can't see your face, um, don't feel pressured to give them a quote right there in mm-hmm. that. You know what I mean? Unless it's just like a standard project you've done a million times and you have like, this is my rate, right? Um, but, you know, you usually, because a lot of times you'll regret what you end up saying in the moment. You'll be like, oh, damn, I should have, oh, I forgot about that. Or, oh, I should have asked for more or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So you always want to like be perfect, like say, okay, let me uh, get that to you. I'll get your quote in the next, you know, within the next, how whatever the time frame is, two hours, tomorrow, whatever. Usually you say by the next day or whatever. And then you have time to just kind of think about it and then think about how you want to phrase it or if it's a whole proposal or whatever it is. So don't feel that you have to give them a quote in the moment. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, you know, that's, I guess if you can throw in a little facial expression. <laughs> <laughs> Read my face. Respect that maybe that needs to be, I'll, I'll have yeah. some merch eventually on the permission to kick ass side and it should be like, respect the eyebrows. <laughs> or yeah, but generally I think it's better to, to, to have a chance to think about it and think it through and, you know. Agreed. And I think like, that's a perfect example of boundary setting. Cause I think there are a lot of people, especially these days that like they, in the, in this day and age of speaking, getting to some, know someone purely over the internet. Right. And a lot of us will make huge purchasing decisions, never having actually spent time in the same room with someone else, but people will want to know the price because they've been led down a path by someone before and gotten all the way to the end where they're like, yes. And then been surprised with like a whopper of a number. So they're going to push for price and the budget is the budget. So that's totally fair, but you can always either give a ballpark or say, I've never done a project like this for more than X or less than X. Yeah. You can give them some frame of reference that'll make them feel better. That makes them feel I know, but I've made that mistake too. And a range, they'd like hang on like a dog with a bone, like to that, whatever that lower number is. Like that's true. could do it for like no <laughs> that's true that <laughs> you know is true I mean? so you can't you can't you got to be careful with that um uh, but then the other there's a couple other things too i wanted to mention so there's um you know if you think okay so let's say you haven't had a lot of projects or even if you some of these people still have confidence issues many of us you know we've mm-hmm. had a ton of projects and um you know if you quote too low of a price the client is probably not going to respect you either. In fact, they, it may even make them less likely to hire you. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, because they're going to think, oh, she must not be very good, right? Yeah. Or why is this person desperate? And they're not going to respect you because they think, well, they must not be very good because they're obviously desperate or whatever. Yeah. So you've got to really make sure you know what the in-range going rates are. Now, of course, if you're just out of a year or two of experience, you're not going to charge what Kim Krause Schwamm charges for a sales page, right? Yeah. But- you know, what's a good, you know, intermediate mid, you know, beginner to intermediate level rate, mm-hmm. right. And, and be in that range. Um, you know, again, right from the get go, um, obviously you want the, the gig and you want to get paid and all that, but what you really want is you want that client to respect you. Exactly. You know? And again, it's just how you put yourself out there and how you, you negotiate. And the other big thing that I see happens a lot that pushes boundaries is when <laughs> clients want you to do something ASAP or how quickly can you start? Right. Mm. And I, sometimes I see client or copywriters talk about how they're struggling with, you know, Oh, I don't, I've got all this work or I don't know that, you know, I, they feel like they have to take everything that comes along. Like if they, there's not going to be something else that comes along after that. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, 
And then as a result, they pile up their plate potentially with projects and then they do a crappy job on all of them and then they burn their bridges and nobody wants to hire them again. And Mm -hmm. so it is much, much better to make those clients wait. You know, if you are booked, it actually is going to give you better negotiating power to make them respect you more, be willing to pay you more money. You know, if you say, wow, um, you know, I'm booked till, you know, January, but you can, my next slot's available January 15th, if you want to go ahead and reserve that, you know, or whatever it is, you know, um, I mean, only on a rare occasion, you know, uh, you know, if you feel like it's really something you can squeeze in, you can make an exception, or you can even tell them, you can even kind of fake it till you make it a little bit, where you say, let's say you have no work at all, right? If you tell them, oh, yeah, I can start tomorrow, they're going to think, wow, you must not be very good, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So you just say, you know, this sounds like such an exciting project. I know I recognize your timeframes are really, you know, tight. Let me reach out to this other client I'm supposed to work with. Let me find out if I can move some things around and let me get back to you. I promise like soon I'll get back to you like as soon as I hear back or whatever, but you know, hopefully by tomorrow, whatever. Like you can kind of do that. And then they're going to feel like, oh, you're doing them a favor and you must be in demand. I mean, I know that's maybe it's not completely truthful, but, you know, you don't want to just act like you're just sitting around, you know, with nothing to do. Mm -hmm. And they come along and they think, well, you know, hey, I can just throw whatever else at this person or maybe I'll ask them for two more things or whatever. And then next thing you know, they're, they're not respecting you. I love that reframe. And I, I love that you pointed out that even if you are sitting there with nothing else to do, the main reason that you shouldn't just jump on someone's project just because you're available is because of that standard that you're setting for the long term. That if mm-hmm. they say jump, you will immediately jump and then be like, wait, should I have gone higher? I'll go higher. Tell me to jump again. No. Yeah, you got to change the whole power dynamic right from the beginning. It's all in the subtlety, right? Because you didn't come out and say, tell me whatever to do and I will do it, sir. But it was like, the way that you responded and how immediately you were available. And I'm not even necessarily talking about paying, playing power games, but recognizing that you have an equal amount of power in this relationship, uh-huh. right? And it may not be attractive to think I can walk away from this, but remember that you are not obligated to take any project or any offer that comes your way at any time, ever. There is no law out there that oh, says yeah. if someone wants to hire you that you have to go work yeah, for them. It's not like you're some retail store. Maybe someone can say, well, you're discriminating against me or whatever. It's like, it has nothing to do with that. Like, mm-hmm. you're right. You can, you can say no. And, and I love. And, and say no. Don't be afraid to say no or say later. I mean, more, you know, more importantly, like get them booked. Like, you know, if you are busy, like book your schedule out. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no reason to work like a maniac for a month and then not know if you're going to have anything the following month. Like, why not just work like a normal person and I know you already have the following month all taken care of. And then, and P.S. have the 50% advance already in hand. Like, it's it's so much better. <laughs> I love that, especially in service businesses like ours in, in writing and copy. But I think this applies to a lot of other creative services too, where mm-hmm. people are almost afraid to take on quote unquote, too many projects for fear, for fear of dropping balls or disappointing someone. Right. But that doesn't, if you have more opportunity, you can afford to be selective, right? Cause you've got more people that are interested in you, which means that you can take the best possible offers and you're in mm-hmm. a position of strength. So yeah, you should, you should at every opportunity you have be aiming to have way more work than you could possibly handle. And the, the benefit to this is like on multiple levels, because if say that their date isn't flexible, they need something right away. You're booked for another month or two and you can't help them until that. They're not willing to wait that long. Well, you can make an introduction to a friend of yours. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I, I do that all mm-hmm. the time. And, and it's you, just, and what goes around comes around, you know, I, 
I mean, I had so many people refer work to me when I was starting out and I, I do it all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know you're doing them a favor and then next thing you know, they want to come back later and, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and you yeah. look like that well-connected expert and then of your course. friends think that you're amazing for passing work to them. They pass work to you when you're in a similar situation. Like it's just goodwill all around. It's a good thing to have more work than you can handle because yeah. then you get to set the standard and say, no, this is all the work that I'm going to do. And then I'm going to spread the love. I'm going to share it with my community. Yeah, I have I have a good friend who told me years ago. She's like, you know, I she's like, I made six figures this year just with things you said to me. <laughs> I'm like, cool. <laughs> I'm over here like clapping, but not trying to make too much noise in the mic. <laughs> um, and then another important boundary thing I think you need to do is set expectations with your mm. clients. And you know, a lot of times, and again, this is where we also get into they want it too fast. Like it's like, okay, so let's say you work it out that they agree to your schedule. It's like, I can't start that till at least middle of next week. And they're like, great. You know, and then of course you want to tie up all your loose ends, get it in writing, you know, the contract and get the 50% advance. Even if it's coming up in a week, I I always get an advance. I mean, the only time I would ever not do it would just be if it was a long time client. It was like a small project, like, you know, under a thousand or something. I'd be like, it's like putting whatever, a just, deposit on a wedding venue, you know, like think of it. Yeah, like you just like expect that. to get the money, you know, and shows that they're serious. I'm not going to switch it on you. Like at the last minute say, Oh, we decided to go with something else or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, so, but you want to set your expectations about how long it's going to take and always pad in a little extra time if you can, mm-hmm. because you know, Again, they'll like hang on like a dog with a bone. Well, you said you could get it all done in a week. It's like, you know, if you need more time, it might be. So it's better to just be realistic, set their expectations, say, you know, this is going to be like a five-week project, right? So just whatever it is, you know, you got to, don't just tell them what they want to hear. Tell them the reality and set their expectations, realistic expectations. And that's such a great point too, because I've seen so many people on the new end of the spectrum, especially of a service-based business, that the assumption seems to be that the clients know how this works. And so they'll have like, they just send out their contracts and they expect that the clients read everything and knows what the next steps are. But you've got to set that expectation. You've got to clearly communicate and say, hold on, sorry, someone is knocking at the door. So pause just a second. Assume that they read the contract. Mm-hmm. And, you know, honestly, I always make them sign it. I have, you know, I have a signature page they send back and sometimes they have their own contract. And I talk about this um, in some of the trainings I've done, but, you know, there's about even like in the most, you know, standard type of contract, big company, publisher, client, co- you know, contracts, whatever. There's a lot of points that you can negotiate. So people need to not be worried about doing that. Um but yeah, I mean, and of course, you're going to have more sway when you get to have more successes under your belt. And, and, and it also, just because you do, like we talked about earlier, you don't want to be an a-hole about it. Um, you always want to just be professional and think of yourself as a professional. Absolutely. You know? Like, I wouldn't even have, like, you know, a, a remodeler guy come in, you know, and do anything without a contract and without paying him in advance or whatever you need for materials or whatever. Like, I just wouldn't even dream of it. I wouldn't be like, why don't you come in and remodel my whole kitchen? And then if I like it, I'll pay you. Oh, God, yeah. Like, that works. Are you freaking kidding me? We have so many people that work <laughs> that way in the creative industry. And it's like, no, this is not a test. This is a profession. So, you know, the way is that you pay for the work and I deliver the work. And then we, we figure out if we're satisfied and if any adjustments need to happen from there. But no, you don't exactly. get to like judge something subjective after the fact. That's what my whole portfolio was for, for you to determine whether you like my stuff. 
Um, and, and you wouldn't invite someone into your house that like makes you guess when they're going to be there, what they're going to do, what they need from you. So. So I think a big part of it too is, you know, so how do you get to that point? And this is one thing I always tell copywriters, and obviously we talked about all this head game stuff that you've got to work on, but also it's, you know, let's say you are a copywriter and you're listening to this. I know I realize you probably have marketers and other people too. Um, get really good at copywriting, you know, really devote yourself to learning your craft. And we, you don't have to necessarily buy all the expensive courses like mine that are out there. I mean, there are great books that you can read. You can even read like one of my favorite books to recommend is Claude Hopkins Scientific Advertising. You can just download that online and read it for free. The first book I read when I became a freelance copywriter, and I still consider it one of the most valuable. Um, so really get good at copywriting, study successful promos, you know, you can do that just by getting on, opting in the email list and seeing what they keep sending out or whatever. And, you know, because the better you get at writing copy in the, and when clients are really happy with what you do, you know, you'll get more work from them. You'll get referrals from them. You'll make, you know, you'll start to make that name for yourself. And, you know, while there may be, the other thing you have to remember is that there's more copywriters than ever before, like that mm-hmm. you're competing against. Like I'm always amazed just how many people are, you know, doing copywriting now and but you know there's a lot a lot of them who just really don't know hardly anything about copywriting they just heard oh there's this thing and I can make money and I can write letters and I can be on the beach or whatever it's like you know yeah right you know um so and worse, like, they parrot someone else's style and yeah it, but you got it so if you can if you get to actually understand what you're doing and you can write decent copy you're gonna have a huge edge right there mm-hmm. and the other thing is there's more clients than ever before that need copywriters and the biggest pain points and you know complaints I hear from them is that they hire people and they just they turn in stuff that they just can't use or they got to do so many edits and they don't like proofread and make sure everything is perfect before they send it in and not just proofing, but just like making sure the copy is good, obviously. And um, so, yeah, if you can just do those things, like get knowledgeable and decent at copywriting and everything you send to a client, you've made sure it's, you know, as good as it can be before you send it out, you know, Mm -hmm. they're going to love you and you're going to have plenty of work and you'll be able to stand, you know, stand out in a sea of copywriters. I think what you said was, so smart and it applies to people in so many industries like I could see every creative entrepreneur out there from a photographer to like a cake baker using that advice get really good at your craft develop your own taste and your own style and your own approach because not only is that going to attract the people that resonate with you that want to pay you a lot of money because they like your style and they want you to do it for them but it's also going to allow you to right develop those boundaries and yeah. when somebody tries to pull a, oh, well, if I like it, I'll pay you. you go, no, I've got like five people on the wait list that are yeah. already ready to put down their deposit and buy it. I don't need this. Yeah. And walk away because you already know what you deliver yeah. is good. And yeah. And, you, you know, think of yourself like, OK, so I'm a business and like, um, I'm sorry, my policy is, you know, that I get paid 50 percent up front and I don't do any work unless I've received the deposit and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you say, you know, well, the, the way I work is, you know, and just feel secure in saying that, you know. And if you have to start saying, well, you know, I, um, uh, you know, my fee for that is blank, right? If you are in a situation where you're going to give a fee over the phone, like, well, I charge, you know, like figure out what is my rate for this? Just know that in advance and then feel comfortable saying that, like putting that number out there, you know, practice in front of the mirror if you have to, (laughs) you know, Um, practice helps a lot. But feel comfortable saying it like, oh, well, my rate for that is blank, you know? And, and just kind of understand, I had, 
I remember one time I, um, I might have told this story once before. Um, this this woman that I was uh, one of my first people that I did copy coaching with, you know, or mentoring like three, maybe four years ago at least. And she was telling me how with a client she'd worked with before, um, they wanted her to write a promo and she was really excited and she, you know, she was hoping it would be her first chance to negotiate a royalty. And then she told me she had replied back to them, well, what do you pay in royalties or something like that? And she told me about this and I'm like, you know, you probably should have done it this way. You want to put out there, well, here's what my fee plus royalty is. You know, if you ask them what they do for a royalty, then you come across like someone who hasn't done it before. And I didn't hear, I heard like this dead science, silence on the other end. All of a sudden I hear this, <gasps> and I'm like, hello, are you okay? She's like, <gasps> and I'm like, are you crying? And she was sobbing into the phone and she's like, I suck. And I'm like, no, you don't suck. Everybody makes this mistake. It's okay. And I was like trying to reassure her and all this. Well, I saw her like, um, I guess it was like six or eight months later at a conference. And she told me, she's like, every time you made me, every time you made me cry, my income went up 25%. And I'm like, <laughs> I call that a win. <laughs> so good. <laughs> and now she's making over six figures and she can't even get in her schedule. So Oh, that's yeah. fantastic. So, you know, sometimes we all, we all screw up. I've done it too, for sure, a million times. Um, and that's why mm-hmm. it helps to have that little script in your head. Well, I charge this. Or, you know, when you say things like that, it makes me uncomfortable. Or, you know, the way I work is this. Or, you know, and just get comfortable saying that and standing up for yourself. Yeah, and let it be a conversation. Because just because you said it doesn't mean that they have to accept it. Just because they said it doesn't mean you have to accept it. Just put, out, put it out there with your best intention there and trusting that their best intention is they want to work with you mm-hmm. and that as two adults that give a damn, you're going to come to something that works for both of you. Like that is a position of power right there. I agree. And I think what makes it even more powerful is if you kind of have the sense too, that if they don't like it, you're going to be fine and they can just go take a, you know what? <laughs> oh, exactly. Because <laughs> you know, that's in a way kind of what it implies too. It's not necessarily an invite to say, yeah, well, but here's my, no, it's like, no, this is how I work. When you say that it blah, 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 whatever, you know, you're making your statement. And, and honestly, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's kind of a take it or leave it. I mean, I don't mean it like you want to get into negotiation like that and have it be, but it, it gives you the power that it's like, I'm confident enough to say this because even if you say no, I'm going to be fine. Yeah. I love that. That's no one project. You never want to build your business to the point where right. you are depending on one project or one yep. client. Like the next one is going to be make or break. And that's, oh, I love everything about this. So Kim, this is a fantastic conversation. I could talk <laughs> with you about this all day. So I think we're just going to have to settle for scheduling a second one about this. Cause I love this idea great. of boundaries. You want to tell, yeah, super excited. You want to tell everybody a little bit more about how to. Sure. Find- um, so yeah, I, um, I have a variety of copywriting training programs that I offer, and I also work with mentees, although my mentoring program is full for next year. But um, you can get on my email list, and I send out a lot of uh, great content, and I have this uh, free weekly e-letter called Copy Insiders. So if you want to get on my list, I also have this um, A-list copywriters checklist that you'll get when you um, give me your email. So if you go to kimschwam.com, it's K-I-M-S-C-H-W-A-L-M, dot com it's like a yoga chant or something um <laughs> and then you uh get on my a list right there and you'll uh, get all sorts of goodies from me 
I am on that list and I can verify it is very, very awesome. And you will get a lot of solid gold from that. I'll make sure that they have a link that they can click in the show notes too. Sounds great. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I love it. Feeling very feisty and fired up now. All right, me too. So that is it. Another awesome episode of Permission to Kick Ass on the Books. If you want to know more about the show, if you want to know more about me, Angie Coley, and the mission I'm on to help entrepreneurs punch fear in the face and do big, bold things, then head on over to permissiontokickass.com. That is all one word together, permissiontokickass.com. Make sure to sign up for my email list so that you know whenever there's a hot, fresh, and ready podcast episode out for you. And also on Mondays, I like to send out a little newsletter called Kick Monday's Ass. I'm sure you're totally, totally surprised by that. So thank you for being here with me today. I'm Angie Coley. Make sure that you share this with a friend that needs to hear this message today. Like it, share it, comment wherever you're listening to this today. And let's go kick some ass.